to the Charlie Kester Show. I'm your host, Charlie. Thanks for stopping by. A lot to get to today. Not a lot of time. So let's dive right into it. I realized the other day that I did not drop my Cooperstown episode that I was planning on to. I went to Cooperstown for my birthday. If any of you listened to the Gold's first Planet Fitness episode, you know all about this. I went to Cooperstown for my birthday. I came back Sunday morning and I planned on dropping an episode Monday about what I saw at Cooperstown, what I liked, one particular player that's missing. And then I plan on dropping an episode during the week, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, about the Super Bowl. I got so into the Super Bowl, I totally forgot to drop that episode. I never came to you guys with that episode. My apologies. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to talk about Cooperstown, then I'm going to talk some Mets baseball. So before I dive into Cooperstown, I want to start with the joke. So for those that didn't listen to Monday's podcast, I told you guys I'm going to start with a joke every podcast just to ease into it, get a chuckle out of you guys. I told one on Monday, I'm not going to repeat it. Go listen Monday to Monday's podcast if you want to hear it. Monday's was a little corny. This one I think is a little bit better. So the joke of the day, what does a baseball player do once they lose their eyesight? They become an umpire. I think that one's pretty good. I'm sure that's what you guys are thinking. And you know, the first thing I thought of when I read that joke was Angel Hernandez. Because that guy's a bum and he can't see anything. He's the worst. And that's the first guy I thought of when I read that joke. He is, he's the worst. And I don't want to make this a Angel Hernandez roast session. But I'll never forget when the, when MLB didn't give him playoff games or World Series games as umpire. And he tried to sue them. I don't know if he won or not. I hope he didn't. Because I didn't follow it that much because of how stupid I thought it was. He sued them and claimed it was a racist thing that they didn't give him games. No, it's a you suck and you're a horrible umpire thing. Not a racism thing. You stink. That's why you didn't get playoff games or World Series games. I wish I knew the result. I don't know if he won. I hope he didn't. But I thought it was so stupid that I didn't even follow it. But that that's enough for the joke. Let's get into Cooperstown. And was it was amazing. Absolutely beautiful. I loved every bit of it. The history, all the artifacts, the baseballs, the cleats, the bats, all the milestones. It was absolutely amazing. I loved every bit of it. I didn't want to come home. But with the Super Bowl being later that day, I said I can't miss the Super Bowl. If the Super Bowl wasn't that Sunday, if I went the Sunday before, or the weekend before, excuse me, or the weekend after, I would have probably stayed all day Sunday and came home Sunday night. But with it being the Super, with it being Super Bowl Sunday, I had to leave pretty early on Sunday. But I was there Friday and Saturday, and it was so much fun. It's hard for me to pick what my favorite thing was in Cooperstown because of how much good stuff they had there. But if I had to pick something that really stood out to me, it was they had in a glass display case, a big glass display case, all the World Series rings from the first one ever given out to the most recent one. 
They had all of them. And I thought that was really, really cool because I learned something from there. Now, some of you may know this. I did not know this. I did not know that World Series rings were not always a thing. The first World Series ring given out was in 1926. The Yankees won the World Series that year and they received World Series rings. And that was the first year World Series rings were given out. Before 1926, players got pocket watches or cufflinks. I didn't know that because in the display case, they had pocket watches and what looked like pins. So I looked it up. And if you do some research on it, you'll find that the first World Series ring was given out in 1926. Before then, players got to pick between pocket watches or cufflinks. And I thought that was really fascinating. I did not know that. I think that's kind of cool. I mean, I think the World Series ring is better than a World Series pocket watch or cufflink. But I, I did not know that. And it's always cool learning new things, especially about something, especially about something you love. So that was something that I found extremely fascinating. Now, I would pick a pocket watch over a cufflink. I don't know what player wants a cufflink. But you have to remember, back then, players wore, or not just players, but people wore suits and stuff like that all the time. So I'm sure they got plenty of use out of the cufflinks. But I am a pocket watch guy. I think they're amazing. I think they should come back into style. I wish they would. I have a, a pocket watch of my own that I, I use all the time. So I would have picked the pocket watch. But I found that very fascinating. But there were a lot of really, really cool things. They had a whole room with the baseball cards. It was the base. It, the room was called the baseball cards your mom threw out. It had the Evolution baseball cards. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm not a Yankee guy, but they had a whole thing on Babe Ruth with his actual jersey, his locker, the telegrams of when he was suspended. If any of you don't remember, he was suspended a few games because he threatened an umpire. They had those telegrams from the commissioner, uh, you know, suspending him and also reinstating him. So I thought that was pretty cool. They had uh, Johan Santana's... Uh, his uh, scouting report, I thought that was really cool, especially some of the things written on it. That was fascinating. They had Tom Seaver's hat. I thought that was really cool. When he struck out 10 batters in a row, he finished that game with 19 strikeouts. I don't remember the date of the game he pitched that game, but for any of the older audience listening, they would probably remember watching it when Tom Seaver struck out 19 batters and he had the 10 in a row. They had his game-worn hat. From that, that Doc Gooden rookie jersey. So they had a lot of really cool things. A lot of cool things. Obviously, I was looking more for Mets stuff as a Mets fan. But it was really fascinating seeing everything. They had a whole thing on Ty Cobb, his cleats, his, his practice jerseys. It was absolutely remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. I'm trying to think of some other things. Because there's so many things that they had. Obviously, the plaques were cool. I, um, I'm trying to think of what else. They had uh, a Ray Knight helmet from when... I'm trying to remember which helmet it was. It was when he hit the home run in Game 7 to give the Mets the lead over the Red Sox in the 1986 World Series. They had that helmet there. That was really, really cool. 
So, so much good stuff there. Obviously, they had the Piazza 9-11 home run jersey. And then one thing that was definitely underrated was the room where they had the evolution of the gloves. So, they showed you some of the first gloves. And obviously, you can see how far we've come from the first gloves. They some of the new the, some of the old gloves. I have a glove here that I'm actually looking at from 1899 because I took a picture of it, and you can see the five fingers. I mean, I don't know how they caught a baseball with that glove. It's insane, and you can see in that room you see the evolution of the gloves from as uh, just like I read off to you as early as 1899. And then obviously they had more recent gloves, and any baseball advocate like me. You know what the gloves look like nowadays. So it's it was really cool to see how the game has grown from some of the first gloves to now. Absolutely great. If you've been to Cooperstown, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't been to Cooperstown, I really advise you make the trip. Really, really worth your time. Really worth your money. It's not expensive either, but it was a, a great trip all around. I don't want to give you every fact there because then it defeats your purpose of going but they had a lot of cool stuff well obviously I was looking for the Mets stuff like I said I think my favorite thing there was probably Tom Seaver's hat from when he struck out 10 in a row game one but a lot of a lot of cool things absolutely remarkable they also had Another thing, because now I'm looking at the pictures as I tell you about it. They had the, I forgot for a split second, they had the Meet the Mets um, album. The original, when they came out with the Meet the Mets song on a record, they had that in Cooperstown. So that was cool. A, a lot of really, really cool things. They also had a room with all the stadiums, like pictures of all the stadiums and facts about it, how much it cost at the time to build, how long it took, all that stuff. It gave you a virtual tour through a screen of Ebbets Field where the Dodgers played in their early days. A really nice stadium actually. So it was it was just it was remarkable. But I don't want to go through every detail that I saw there. I don't want to bore you with that. But I was going through Cooperstown, I was going through the plaques and obviously I made my way and so all the plaques, I made sure I got a picture with Mike Piazza's plaque, made sure I got a picture with Tom Seaver's plaque, have to. I went out of my way to see Gary Carter's plaque. Same with Casey Stangles. It was remarkable reading all this and seeing all the history. But I couldn't help but notice there was one player missing in Cooperstown. And his name is Keith Hernandez. Now, a lot of you will say, Oh, you're only saying that because you're a Mets fan. But that is absolutely not true. Now, any of you that follow my website and, and read my articles, I posted an article on this on my website. But for those of you that haven't looked at my website or haven't read the article, I will talk about it here to make my points on why he should be in the Hall of Fame. And first of all, a big, big number here. A big milestone, a big accomplishment is the 11 consecutive gold gloves. That's a lot of gold gloves. And he did it 11 years consecutively. 
that alone should get him into Cooperstown. I know that a lot of people are into the offensive numbers and they don't realize how important defense is to the sport. But defense is a huge, huge aspect of baseball. It's a very, very big deal. And Keith Hernandez was the best on the field when he was playing. No one defensively was better than him at first base. No one. 11 gold gloves is remarkable. He did it in consecutive years, 11 straight years. And the only reason why he maybe fell off towards the end of his career defensively is because he's getting older. That happens to everyone. But 11 gold gloves in 17 years is a big, big, big deal. That is absolutely insane. Think about it. He won a gold glove. If you, I could do some, some quick math here for you. So 64.7% of the time in his career, he won a gold glove. If you, think, if you want to think about it that way. So when he was playing, when, he, when his career was over, he won a gold glove 65% of the time pretty much while he was playing. That is absolutely stunning, that stat. That's how good he was defensively. You knew when the ball was hit to him, he was going to make a play on it. No matter how hard that ball was hit, no one was better than him at first base defensively. You cannot tell me, whether you're a Mets fan or not, you cannot tell me he's not the best defensive first baseman we have ever seen. If, if you don't think he is, then tell me who's better than him at first base. Who? You can't. Because no one is better than him defensively at first base. He is the best defensive first baseman we've ever seen. He was so good defensively. The plays he would make were absolutely jaw-dropping. But a lot of people say, well, he didn't have the numbers at bat. But I beg to differ. Obviously, his defense was way more efficient and better than his offense. But he was still a good hitter. He was a career 296 hitter, just under 300. You know how difficult it is to hit 300? If you could hit 300 in one season, that's considered a good season. He was a career 296 hitter, basically 300. He had an OPS of 821. So you could sit here and say his defense was good, but wasn't good enough to get him to the Hall of Fame. Well, first of all, that's a lie. Because his defense was good enough to get him to the Hall of Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame off of his defense alone because of how good he was defensively. But if you want to say, well, I want to see more offense from him, what more do you want? 296 hitter, OPS of 821. I get it. He didn't have the power, power numbers. He had under 200 career home runs. I believe, I don't have the number here, but I believe he had under 150 career home runs. But I know he had less than 200 career home runs for a fact. So you could say, well, he didn't have the power numbers. But there's more to baseball than just the home runs. And you have to realize that there's things called defense. There's things called doubles. It's, it's more, there's more to baseball than just hitting it over the fence. And people don't realize that. His, his numbers are Hall of Fame worthy. He drove in just under 1,100 runs over his career. He also had over 2,000 total career hits. So the numbers are there. He, Like I said, he had 
just under 1,100 RBIs. And he had over 2,000 career hits. Now, I know 2,000 career hits isn't 3,000 career hits, but it's not easy to get 2,000 career hits. It's not. I know that there's a big difference between 3,000 and 2,000 when it comes to who did it. I know the, the list drops substantially when you get to the 3,000 hit club. Way less people have done it. But in my opinion, his offense is better than average. If you want to sit here and say his offense isn't good enough to get him in the Hall of Fame, okay. But when you factor in his 11 gold gloves... And his offense, how can you sit here and tell me he's not a Hall of Famer? His gold gloves and his defense is enough to get him into Cooperstown, in my opinion. But if you don't think that's enough, first of all, you're not watching baseball. And you're insane. But look at his offensive numbers, too. His offensive numbers alone aren't enough to get him in the Hall of Fame. But they are enough with his defensive numbers. And it just mind-boggles me why he's not in the Hall of Fame. It makes zero sense to me. And hopefully one day we see him get justice and we see him in Cooperstown with his own plaque because he deserves it. But again, I don't know what the the uh, voters are waiting for. I really don't get it. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He really does. And I do think one day he will get in. I just don't know when. Because... There's no way they cannot put him in Cooperstown. I saw a stat also, and this helps also make my case. I saw a stat, and it said, Gold Glove winner for every position is in the Hall of Fame except for first base. And what I mean by that is because I know that wasn't clear, which just came out of my mouth, but it's, it's kind of hard to word it. If you look if you look at Cooperstown right now, if you go on Google and look it up, every position, the player with the most gold gloves at that position is in the Hall of Fame. Catcher, second base, shortstop, third base, left field, center field, right field. Every position, I believe even pitcher, but if I'm just going off of the positions the in the field and taking the pitcher out of it. The, the eight positions on the field, every position, the, goal glo- the player with the most gold gloves at that position is in the Hall of Fame, except for first base. Why is that? I don't get it. I really don't get it. A lot of people say his numbers aren't good enough. But also, you have to take into consideration that he won a co-MVP. And he also... Is a World Series winner. He won, obviously, with the 86 Mets. But he also won with the Cardinals. So he is a two-time World Series champ. And he is a co-MVP. I mean, I don't understand how you could sit here and say the numbers aren't there for Keith. He belongs in Cooperstown. And I don't know what the voters are waiting for. And hopefully he gets the justice he deserves. And he finds himself in Cooperstown. Because that is where he belongs, and that is what Cooperstown is missing. Keith Hernandez. One player I like to compare Keith Hernandez to, to get my point across to people, that are still having a tough time realizing that Keith Hernandez belongs in the Hall of Fame, 
is Ozzie Smith, right? A lot of people say Ozzie Smith was a better defensive player, and I will not argue that. I do think Ozzie Smith was better defensively, but it's not that far off as you think. Ozzie Smith played 19 years and had 13 gold gloves, whereas Keith Hernandez played 17 years and had 11 gold gloves, and he won 11 gold gloves consecutively. So Ozzie Smith may have had two more gold gloves, but he played two more years. Now, I do think Ozzie Smith was a little bit better defensively. I'm not going to argue that. Ozzie Smith was, if you watch both of them, if you watch both of them, I should say, Ozzie Smith was a better defensive player than Keith Hernandez, but it was not that far off. It was very close, in my opinion, and the numbers prove it. Now, you can sit here and say, well, Ozzie Smith was the better hitter, and that's just not correct. Keith Hernandez had a better career average. He was nearly a 300 career average hitter. Ozzie Smith was a 262 career average hitter. You could say, well, Ozzie Smith had more pop. Again, that's incorrect. Keith Hernandez had over 100 career home runs. Ozzie Smith had 28 career home runs. You could say, well, he hit more, he, he had more RBIs. He hit more runs in. That's also incorrect. Keith Hernandez had over 1,000 career RBIs, whereas Ozzie Smith had less than 800. The only thing Ozzie Smith did have is he did have more career hits. He almost had 2,500. So he, Ozzie Smith did have more career hits than Keith Hernandez. But Keith Hernandez had a better career average, 296 versus 262. He had more home runs, over 100 versus Ozzie Smith's 28. And he had more RBIs, over 1,000, whereas Ozzie Smith had under 800. So Keith Hernandez not also was close defensively, but he was better offensively. So if you go have Ozzie Smith in the Hall of Fame, then why not Keith Hernandez? Now, my argument is not to take Ozzie Smith out of the Hall of Fame. I want to clarify that. Ozzie Smith belongs in the Hall of Fame. My argument is if you go have Ozzie Smith in the Hall of Fame, which he should be in the Hall of Fame, you should also have Keith Hernandez in the Hall of Fame. Now, I know Ozzie Smith had the 15 All-Star appearances versus Keith Hernandez's five. So there's a big jump there, 10, difference-wise. But Keith Hernandez has a co-MVP. So I think that co-MVP makes up the differences of all-star appearances. So in my opinion, with all these numbers that I'm throwing at you, Keith Hernandez is a no-doubt Hall of Famer. I'm not saying he should be a first-bout Hall of Famer, but he certainly should be in the Hall of Fame. And it shouldn't take more than two or three times to get him in the Hall of Fame. And here we are, sitting here, talking about the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame. And he should be. I don't understand what MLB is waiting for. I don't get it. He is a sure Hall of Famer. I know MLB gets lost a lot of times in the offense and the home runs. But there's more to the game than just home runs. Defense is a big part of the game. And some people, including me, like watching defense. Sometimes I'll appreciate defense more than offense. I would, I would rather see a really nice double play turned by the Mets than a Pete Alonso home run sometimes. Defense is important and it's fun to watch. Luis Guillorme is one of my favorite Mets currently. There's a reason why. 
He doesn't hit home runs. He doesn't even hit that well offensively. He's an okay hitter. And it's just pure contact, singles. He's not fast, but his glove is remarkable. The plays he can make at second base is incredible. I love watching him play. And MLB is forgetting that there's more to the game than offense. Keith Hernandez is elite defender. Absolutely elite back in his day. There is no reason he's not in Cooperstown. Because last time I checked, you're voting the best of the best in Cooperstown, right? And Keith Hernandez was the best of the best defensively at first base. So why isn't he in Cooperstown? Another guy, Scott Rowland, in my opinion, Keith Hernandez, when he played, was way better than Scott Rowland ever was. So if you go put Scott Rowland in the Hall of Fame, how is Keith Hernandez not in the Hall of Fame? You cannot tell me that Scott Rowland is a better player than Keith Hernandez was. No way. Scott Rowland may have better offensive numbers, but in my opinion, he's not that much better offensively than Keith Hernandez was. It's very similar. In my opinion, Keith Hernandez was way better defensively. I just don't get it. You have Ozzy Smith in the Hall of Fame, as he should be, but you don't have Keith Hernandez in the Hall of Fame. You're voting in Scott Rowland into the Hall of Fame, which in my opinion, he's not a Hall of Famer. He shouldn't even be in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations to him. Good for him. He worked hard and he was a good player, but in my opinion, he was never the best of the best. And that's what you need to be to get in Cooperstown. But you're going to put him in the Hall of Fame, but not Keith Hernandez. It doesn't make any sense. And I don't know anyone that can make sense of it. You could try, but you're just talking out of your rear end then. Because it doesn't make any sense. Two players I want to talk about that will be on the ballot for the first time in 2024 for the Mets. Is Jose Reyes and David Wright. Both of them in 2024 will be the first time on the ballot and they will both be trying to make their way into Cooperstown. And as much as I hate to say it, I don't think either one of them will make it. I'll start with Jose Reyes because he's a little bit quicker because I think there's not much thought into Jose Reyes. Jose Reyes was an elite base stealer. He was. But being an elite base stealer, in my opinion, isn't enough to make the Hall of Fame. It just isn't. He was a good hitter, but he, he wasn't the best hitter out there. He was a good fielder, but wasn't the best fielder out there. If you look at his career, he was really an average hitter with times of being a little bit above an average hitter. He did win the batting title, but that was just one year. If you look at his career with the Mets and with the Blue Jays and his whole career, he was really just an average hitter. That's what he was. He had a lot of speed so he could stretch things into doubles and triples that other players couldn't. But he was an average hitter with average contact, not a lot of pop. As for his glove, at times he struggled defensively. His speed and athleticism saved him. There were times where his judgment was poor on the field. His break to the ball was poor. He was leaning to one direction when he should be leaning to the other direction when he was hit off the bat. But because of how quick and athletic he was, he made up for it. He was a good fielder, don't get me wrong. And he was a good hitter. But he was not a great fielder. And he was not a great hitter. And in my opinion, you have to pass the eye test to get into Cooperstown. There are other aspects to it also. I'm not just saying this is the only one. But in my opinion, 
if you want to get into Cooperstown, one of the things you have to, one of the boxes you have to check is you have to be the best out there. When you watch Jose Reyes with your eyes, did you ever sit there and say, he's the best hitting shortstop in the game right now? No. Did you ever sit there and say, he's the best defensive shortstop in the game right now? No. So in my opinion, although he was a good player and a fun player to watch, he does not have enough to get into Cooperstown. He was never the best out there, offensively or defensively. You can make the argument he was the best out there at stealing bases and speed, but stealing bases isn't enough to get into, into Cooperstown, unless you broke Ricky Henderson's record, which you'll ne- no one will ever beat, of what is his record, 1,406, 1,406? I don't think anyone will ever beat that. Well, not, I don't think. I know no one will beat that. That's an insane number. So, Jose Reyes doesn't get in the Hall of Fame. Now, David Wright, he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame either, but he's a little bit more difficult to assess. From 2005 to 2012, you can make the argument, or let me rephrase actually, from 2005, you look at numbers, from 2005 to 2013, David Wright was a beast. He had eight years where he was the best unstoppable. He was the best defensively. He made plays that would just make your jaw drop. I'm not saying he was the best defensive player we've ever seen, but when he was playing, he was the best, he was the best third baseman defensively when he was playing. He was better than everyone else playing defensively at third base when he was playing from 2005 to 2013. He was a beast defensively. And it's not just his defense. He was a beast offensively. Look at his numbers offensively from 2005 to 2013. He was an absolute beast. And he should have had an MVP under his belt. I don't want to hear from other people. People will say, oh, you're only saying that because you're a Mets fan. No, I'm saying that because facts don't lie. In 2007, he had over a 300 average he had over 100 RBIs. He had over 30 home runs. I don't have the exact numbers, but I, I know he batted over 300. I think he was close to 320. It might have been 326. That number sticks out to me. But it was north of 300. He had north of 30 home runs. I think it was 35 home runs. But he had north of 30 home runs. And he had 100, or he had north of 100 RBIs. I think it was 110. Again, I don't have the exact numbers, but I know it was north of 300 average, north of 30 home runs, and north of 100 RBIs. And, oh, he was great defensively that year, too. You can't tell me he's not MVP that year. I understand the Mets collapsed, right? They had 17 games left, up seven games, and they end up losing the division. I don't want to relive it. It makes me sick as a Mets fan every time I think about it. I don't know how they were up seven games with 17 remaining and end up losing the division. I remember it just like I was yesterday. I was sick to my stomach when they lost to Shea Stadium. If I remember correctly, it was to the Marlins, the last game of the season, and they were booted from the playoffs, lost the division. It made me sick. So I don't want to relive it. But that cost David Wright an MVP, and that's not fair because it's not just his fault. MLB, base, baseball is the ultimate team sport, right? That's why I like about MLB. Baseball is the ultimate team sport. David Wright alone did not cost the Mets a division title that year. It's a team sport. 
there was a lot of reasons the Mets collapsed. And to take the MVP away from David Wright because the Mets collapsed was criminal. And it should be investigated. Why would you do that to David Wright and us Mets fans? The award goes to the best player. David Wright was the best player that year. I just read you off his numbers. He was the best player that year, offensively and defensively. I understand the Mets collapsed, but he was better than everyone offensively and defensively that year. You cannot tell me otherwise. To take that award from him because of the collapse was unfair and unjust. But if you look at his numbers from 2005 to 2013, his numbers were absolutely amazing. His defense, he was, he was absolutely amazing defensively, and he was absolutely amazing offensively. He was elite defensively, and he was elite offensively from 2005 to 2013, and should have had an MVP under his belt in 2007. So his first eight years, no one could stop him offensively and defensively, and should even have an MVP. But the problem is, is he fell apart quick. After that 2013 season, he couldn't stay healthy. 2014, 2015, 2016, he could not stay healthy. And that is going to cost him. And I hate to say that because I'm a big David Wright fan. But I I don't want to be hypocritical. I hate the writers because they can't take their uh, vendettas out of it. It would be hypocritical for me to say David Wright belongs in the Hall of Fame because I'm a big Mets fan. I have to take the fandom out of it and just look at the numbers and the stats. Although David Wright was a beast his first eight years, he didn't do it long enough. There's two boxes that you have to check, in my opinion. Number one, which I already mentioned, was you have to be the best on the field. And David Wright checks that box. David Wright, when he was playing, until his injuries, was the best on the field, offensively and defensively. But you also have to do it for a long period of time. You can't have seven, eight really good years or even excellent years and then fall off and get in the Hall of Fame. My opinion, you have to do it for a long time. I'm not saying you have to do it for 20 years. But in my opinion, you have to put together 12, 13 years of really, really good baseball to be a Hall of Famer. And David Wright, unfortunately, didn't do that. He he was close, and it's not his fault that he didn't do it because he can't help that he was injured, but he didn't do it. So as much as I hate to say it, David Wright, in my opinion, will not be in the Hall of Fame either. If I was a voter, Jose Reyes and David Wright would not be getting my votes to be elected into the Hall of Fame. As much as I hate to admit it because I love both of them, Especially David Wright. David Wright hurts me the most because of what he was and what he could have been if he didn't get hurt. But if I was a voter and I I took my fandom out of it, David Wright and Jose Reyes are not Hall of Famers. I hate to say it. I, I really do. And I feel bad for David Wright because obviously he didn't want to get hurt. You really think these athletes want to get hurt? They obviously don't. Just ask, I know I'm shifting gears a little bit, but just ask Bo Jackson. You think he wanted that career-ending hip injury? No. None of these guys want to get hurt. You think David Wright wanted to fall off because his body derailed? No. He wanted to put together 15, 16 great years with the Mets. 
You think he wanted to fall off after eight years because his body couldn't take it anymore? You think he wanted that? Obviously not. And it's not like he could have done anything. It's like he was eating McDonald's every night. He was taking care of himself. But sometimes injuries are going to happen regardless of how well you take care of yourself. He couldn't help that his spine gave out. It's not like he was, he let himself go. You know, it's not like he just completely let himself go and stopped caring. His body just derailed. And he, there's nothing he could do. But that's part of the game injuries. And in my opinion, we can't say, well, we, we believe this is what his career would have been like if he didn't get hurt. So we're going to vote him in because of that. We, we can't do that. We don't know what his career would have been like if he didn't get hurt, right? I believe they would have continued putting up those numbers if he didn't get hurt. But we don't know what he would have done in 2014, 2015, 2016 if he didn't get hurt. And we can't just assume. So it hurts not putting David Wright in the Hall of Fame. But if I'm going off of the facts and off of the boxes I believed that need to be checked, Jose Reyes and David Wright are not Hall of Famers. And that's just the truth. I know a lot of Mets fans, I see it on Twitter, a lot of Mets fans want David Wright in the Hall of Fame. I know it's not an easy pill to swallow. It took me a while. For the longest time I was saying, David Wright belongs in the Hall of Fame, put him in the Hall of Fame. But when you really sit down and take your fandom out of it and look at the numbers and really think about it, he does not belong in the Hall of Fame. And it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's a pill that all us Mets fans, unfortunately, have to swallow. He's not going to get voted into the Hall of Fame. I want to see him in the Hall of Fame. I want to see his plaque in the Hall of Fame with him wearing a Mets hat. I want to see it, but it's probably not going to happen. If they didn't put Keith in the Hall of Fame, they're probably not going to put David Wright in the Hall of Fame. But hey, they put Scott Rowland in the Hall of Fame. So maybe I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong. So to end the night, I want to briefly bring up Jacob DeGrom. Obviously, it has nothing to do with Cooperstown. As you all know, the Rangers had to push him back a day or two because he was feeling tightness in either his elbow or his oblique, his side. I don't remember which one. They're saying it was because of the cold. I think that's a BS reason because he pitched in New York, and New York is colder than where he's pitching now. But I just want to say, and this is not towards every Mets fan, there's plenty of Mets fans out there, including me, that are not celebrating him being hurt. But there are some Mets fans that are. And for the Mets fans that are celebrating him being hurt and going out of your way to say, I told you so, be better. Okay? I mean, I know that we're upset that he left. I'm very upset that he left. And I personally think that that was a little unloyal of him to leave. I know he got a better deal, but where's the loyalty? You know, I think he should have stayed. The Mets offered him a fair, fair deal. But with that being said, it's okay to be relieved. Like, I took a sigh of relief when I saw the article. Because I was like, oh, I don't miss these articles. Thank God the Mets don't have to deal with this right now. So it's okay to be relieved. But let's not celebrate him being hurt. We're better than this as fans. But I don't want to talk too much about Jacob deGrom. That's done, over with. He doesn't pitch for us, right? It's, it's, it's nothing to worry about. 
Thank God we have Verlander. And we'll have to see how he ages. We'll have to see how well he performs on the Mets' two-year contract. But Verlander's not being pushed back. Verlander's pitching just fine, feeling great. And I'm knocking on wood here. Let's see if you can hear it. I'm knocking on wood. I don't want you to come back and say, you jinxed him if anything comes out over the next week or two saying he feels not so great. But it's really nice to see Scherzer out there and Verlander out there pitching. I'm really excited to see what Verlander could do for the Mets. I don't know if he'll replicate his year last year because of how good it was, but I really do think he gives the Mets a very, very good year. I think Scherzer is going to give the Mets an, an outstanding year. Last year, he pitched well. Towards the end of the year, it seemed like he didn't really, you know, he wasn't really 100% from his oblique injury. He may have rushed himself back. And then you saw in the playoff game, I was there, he completely fell apart. So although he had a good year last year, it left a sour taste in our mouth because the end of the year with the oblique and being not 100% and then him falling apart in the playoff game, we have a little bit of sour taste. That's how it ended. But I think he has. I think he still had a good year last year. Let's not forget that he had a very good year last year, and I think his his year this year will be even better. I'm really looking forward to him. And Sanga, if you've watched his his what is it, the ghost pitch, the the fork ball, whatever they're calling it. I know the nickname for it is is the ghost fastball, but I don't know what the actual pitch is called. I've seen it, and I'm going blank. The fork ball, I think. I, I don't know, but they're calling it the ghost fastball. And I've seen some videos on it, and it looks amazing. He was fooling Jeff McNeil with it the other day. It was earlier today or yesterday. I think it was actually yesterday, which is why I say the other day. I believe it was yesterday. I saw a video of him throwing it to, to uh, McNeil, and it looked lethal. I mean, McNeil was fooled on it, and McNeil is a good hitter too. It's not like he's throwing it to Darren Ruff, right? He's throwing it to McNeil, and McNeil was pretty fooled on it. So I'm looking forward to all three of those guys together. And don't sleep on Quintana. He'll be a nice piece to this rotation. But the guy I'm most excited for out of the three of them, Verlander, Scherzer, and Senga, is probably Senga. I think he has the most upside. We know what we're getting with Scherzer and Verlander. We don't know what we're getting with Senga. But I think he has the most upside. If he could really pitch to his true potential, he is going to be lethal on the mound. Absolutely lethal. He's, his upside is amazing, which is why the Mets went out and got him. And the Mets got him on a friendly deal, team-friendly deal. Only $15 million a year to pay him, paying him. Five years, $75 million. That comes out to $15 million a year. Very good deal for the Mets, team-friendly. Because if he pitches the way I think he does, you are underpaying him. And if he does not perform the way you thought, $15 million a year is not going to kill the Mets payroll-wise. That's why I love this deal so much. Because you're either going to be underpaying him because of how well he pitches. That's what I think is going to happen. But if he struggles and you're overpaying him, it's $15 million a year. It's not that much of an overpay. And that's nothing for Steve Cohen. Five million or fifteen million dollars, excuse me. Fifteen million dollars to Steve Cohen is like you losing two dollars tomorrow. It's nothing to him. 
So I'm very excited for these guys. Like I, I've said, the, the pitching rotation is the strength to this Mets team. And if Verlander can pitch well, which I believe he will, and Senga can pitch well, which I believe he will, we know we're getting out Scherzer. We know Quintana is a quality end of the rotation guy. We know either McGill or Carrasco. I don't know which one, but one of them will step up. I think it will be McGill. I'd rather McGill in that fifth spot. But as long as one of them are pitching well, I'm okay. If Carrasco gets that fifth spot, as long as he's pitching well, I'm not going to lose sleep. But I think McGill is the better option. I think he will pitch better in spring training. But that spot's up for grabs. But the Mets rotation is in good hands. If everyone can stay healthy and everyone can pitch the way we think. I don't think Verlander and Scherzer's age are going to catch up to them this year. Now, next year, I don't get... Obviously, I don't want to talk about next year too much because I'm focused on this year, as you should be. But next year, we may be talking about Verlander and Scherzer's age catching up to them a little bit, but I don't think it will this year. I think you'll still see them pitch at an elite level this year. But some may say that's wishful thinking. It's not. I really do think they'll pitch at an elite level this year. And Sanga, watch out for him. This, this ghost fastball... He's going to get a lot of hitters. I really do think it is as good as advertised. That's going to do it for tonight, guys. I really do appreciate the support. I really do appreciate you guys taking the time and listening. It means everything to me. The fact that you guys are taking the time to listen to me and supporting me. I I can't even tell you how much I appreciate it. I'm going to come to you guys with an episode this weekend. It'll be a Giants football episode. That'll be definite. I don't know if it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. I'm leaning more towards Sunday, but I'm not 100% sure. I may drop another episode this weekend about Mets baseball. It depends how I'm feeling. I want to bring another Mets episode to you guys this weekend since spring training's right around the corner. But I don't know if I will drop an episode this weekend on more Mets baseball talk or I'll just wait until Wednesday. I'm not 100% sure, but I'll keep you guys posted. You'll know if you're following me on Twitter. You'll know if you're checking my website. But thank you all so much for listening. Have a great night. Let's go Mets. Thank you.